This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom, everyone. Welcome to Nation Torah Essentials Program here in the Holy City of Jerusalem. We are today talking about the, the two types of wisdom and, um, and what is unique about, about Jewish wisdom, something that falls short, unfortunately, on a lot of people. And that is that there, there is something called learned wisdom, and there's something called, called revealed wisdom. And the, any person who has either wisdom is wise. So, so of the wise people you'll meet, there will be the wise person who is learned, uh, who has got the world, learned wisdom, and then you'll have the wise person who has the revealed wisdom. Now, the wise person who has learned wisdom is someone who understands the esoteric. It's someone who understands the secret knowledge of the, of the actual creation. The acquiring of that knowledge comes from, uh, generally it comes from ancient tradition. So it's, it's not too often someone's able to access the, the knowledge of the creation of, sorry, of, of the divine in creation by themselves. It generally comes off of traditions, long thousands of year old traditions. For example, uh, the people of India have tremendous detail of, uh, of a tradition of wisdom that is coming from the learning of the, of the creation itself, meaning learning in, into the esoteric. Let me, let me explain a little better because a lot of you look a little perplexed at our subject. So uh, let me see if I can fix things a little bit. Uh, one sec. There's a mistake people make, and that is the difference between finite and infinite. Um, there, a lot of people see the word finite. Let's see if I can get this. Yeah, there we go. So infinite is beyond space and time. And then people think that finite is actually within space and time. That finite is within space and time. But actually, space and time only starts here. So there's infinite, which is beyond space and time. And then there's finite that's not within space and time. And then there's space and time, finite. Um, but there are good terms for this. The term up here for finite, not space and time, is called the metaphysical. And then within space and time is our world, which is the physical. So you got the infinite, totally beyond space and time. Then you got finite, which is a whole metaphysical realm. And then you got the space and time part of finite, which is within the physical realm. See, those of us who grew up with Western sciences, where they don't recognize the metaphysical at all, the metaphysical is not part of the teaching. So those who don't recognize the metaphysical, so what they've done ultimately, they jumped from infinite to finite. Is that clear? They jumped from infinite all the way to finite, into space and time. 
but the spiritual traditions of the planet all have a infinite, finite realm, but in the, maybe I should get rid of this line, like that, but they have the, you have first the finite metaphysical, which is the spiritual world, and then you have the physical. So there's a whole spiritual world that is not God. So people who think that when they die, for example, that now you meet God, you don't. You, when you die, you go to the metaphysical. And the metaphysical is where the world of souls are. There's all kinds of levels of it. So there's an area for souls called... What's, <laughs> get you open. There's a level of lower souls that are called Ganedna Tachton, the lower Ganed. There's a level of souls called Ganedna Elion. And there's even a whole realm of souls here below Ganedna Tachton, which is kind of the world of the dead in general. But then there's these special souls that get to go to Ganedna Tachton, which is Nishma Sisrael. And then you have the, the highest level of Nishma Sisrael that get to go to Ganedna Elion. But there's probably not anyone in the last few generations who got to go to Ganedna Elion. To go to Ganedna Elion, which translated would mean the Garden of Eden above. Your upper. Upper Garden of Eden. So there's probably like very few people ever got to go to the Upper Garden of Eden. It's, uh, it's, it's not, they're not having any overcrowding over there. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> you'll find Abraham up there, you know, or Moses. Or uh-huh. Yes, that's all Ezra, you have a question? Yeah, I have two. One's like, wait. Um, that's, this is all with the Nitzira? Like the Gadinatachton's in Yitzira and Gadinatachton's in Berlin. Sorry, in Bria? Okay. So I can put those divisions. I have no No, well, it's confusing, but... So we can do... How is the metaphysical finite if it's not bound by space and time? What makes it finite? What makes it finite? Yeah. Um, not much compared to here. Compared to here, it's not finite at all. You're assuming... here, it's extremely... First of all, the metaphysical has no space and time. The metaphysical has no space time, right? It's no space and time. So you didn't hear my answer. So compared to here, it's hardly finite. Compared to here, it's extremely finite. Okay, what's it bound by? What's it bound by? Yeah. It's got its own rules. Okay. Yeah, you don't have... uh, It's got its own rules. Like, our world has these rules. You know, if I walk, I'm going to bang into the table. There's not, you're not going to be banging into tables there. But you, you might bang into something else that could be a lot less comfortable than a table. So it's, it's got its own rules. You know, it's got its own... We, we don't have any idea what those rules are. Uh, no, but they're strict. Kind of. <laughs> they're, they're not friendly. Our rules are much more friendly. Now, I know gravity doesn't seem that friendly. But... Uh, but Apparently, gravity is a lot more friendly than the rules up there. Wait, it's, what do you it, mean they're not friendly? It's pretty high stakes over there. It's not a f- pleasant place to be. It's pleasant for wherever you are. That's wonderful. But you're not like... You're, wherever you go is great, but you're in a realm that's like... You know, it, it's... it's there's no mercy over there. It's, it's just pure spiritual truth. You know, like down here, it's like we have we have pure spiritual dream. We all have disco texts, and we got the beach, and we got the you go skiing. You know, you like things are pretty pretty mellow down here. Over there, it's like there's no. It's part of a system. Do we get it as soon as we're there, or it's something that we have? Yeah, it's pretty instantaneous. Yeah, I mean, you gotta like you gotta deal with a bit of uh, adjustment. Like for example. 
Now, I don't want to talk a lot about this, but okay. your, your soul wears thought, speech, and action. So everything you think, say, and do in this world becomes the clothing of your soul. Oh, gosh. Now, you're supposed to... Oh, God. <laughs> now, you're supposed to wash your thoughts. You're supposed to wash the soul every day. Before you go to bed, you wash your soul. Any of you shower at night? Anyone here shower at night? So, I'm a morning shower. Some people shower at night. My kids shower at night. I, I shower in the morning. So, Thank you for sharing. Um, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, okay. You're good. Shalom, it's great See having you. <laughs> so is there no, there's no time in the metaphysical? No. So it all happens at once? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. There's no, like, progression of experience, it's just experience? Yeah, well, uh, what's your name? Ari. You haven't been in too many of my classes yet, but there's no... It's all happening at once here, too. There's no progression of time here. We experience it linearly. Here we experience linearly. There you do not experience it linearly. Okay. Yeah. Here is experience, the full linear experience, even though none of this is linear. But the uh, but at least our your brain mates to the linear experience here, even though there's really no... We're very limited here on this earth. We don't have the slightest idea, <laughs> and the, we have no words to describe what it's like in the, for the lack of a better, the next world. It's also the, down here, we have no words to describe. For example, thinking everything's linear when it's not possibly linear. You understand, you've been sitting in this class now for a few minutes. That seems linear. Okay. But none of this is linear. It only seems linear for your free will and just to be able to get around. God doesn't do linear. <laughs> you know, like people don't do windows. You know, God doesn't do linear. It, it's just not even possible. He can create a linear experience. That he can do. But it's not possible for God to be producing anything that's linear. That's truly linear. What, meaning what, meaning linear in its, its, its essence. It, it has to be from nothing always. Meaning creation always comes from nothing. From nothing to something. Always. What's the definition? Perpetually. Your definition of linear? Is that things are actually... There's a continuity of time. You experience one thing God's creating another. time always, which to us seems linear, because he created a minute ago, and he created now, and he's creating a minute from now, so that's linear. Except he's creating it from nothing, always. I see. Uh -huh. Which means there's no true linearness to it. Which is why there's miracles, which is wonderful. Medical miracles, uh, all kinds of serpent, serep... Serendipitous? Serendipitous. There are all kinds of serendipitous moments for every one of us. Each of us has these serendipities happening in our lives. And how does he do that? Idiosyncrasies. Idiosyncrasies. Like these crazy moments of statistical improbabilities going on all over the place. Like, how's God pull this off? We were just out partying Thursday night in the Shook. It's not possible that every single table that were total strangers would morph into people I knew. <laughs> It wasn't possible. You know what I'm saying? I was just trying to walk down the show to get home later. And I, was, and I check out the table just going like, well, statistically it's impossible that every table would have someone I know, considering it's total strangers at every table at the beginning. So, and on my way home, just total strangers, like 45-year-old like Israelis, like smoking cigarettes and drinking beer. And, and, but just a matter of like, I'd be kind of checking them out just to see if it would work. And eventually one of them would go, Yom Tov Glazer, 1996. Oh. We were together. And, and I'd just be like, 
And now I'm sitting at his table for like the next 20 minutes. I met an anti-Semite. I actually found an actual anti-Semite towards the end of the night. And, it was, and the guy came to hassle me. It's crazy. He was what coming, was he doing there to begin with? He was coming to get a, the bill for the tab oh. of another table of people who pulled me over. Some guy, like, and these were total strangers. This guy, this, this 22-year-old drinking was like, you brought my parents back to Judaism. And I gave the guy a big hug. He sits me down, gives me a beer, and then disappears, and the guy comes for the tab. <laughs> I've like, been sitting at this table. I, I've been here for 45 seconds. That was when he came. He came to get the bill. And he's like, oh, free letter. You're all the same. <laughs> oh man! I was like, "Oh great!" The only guy with payas in the whole place. You know, like, <laughs> he believes is the thief. I'm going to speak to the owner. I was going to go this morning, but I had a, I had a class here. So. That guy's going to get busted. Just hope he doesn't get vengeful. Either. So, anyway, can we get back to our subject? Enough about beer. Okay. How does beer get mentioned in every class I teach? Yeah. Um, so you said it, it timed out, uh, rather than doing things linearly. linearly. Um, how come then Gracious, he creates the world in a linear, uh, you know, each day, step by step? It is a wonderful question. So the, so the word bara means something for nothing. Gracious bara lokimus hashemayimbos bara is that uh, Hashem creates something from nothing. The actual word bara means to create something from nothing. So you have to look in Rashi. It's directly the very first word bara, but the uh, there's a thing that is this. It's I'm not even giving you a really accurate answer. It's just the easy, I gave you the easy answer to just meaning immediately <coughs> throw your kasha back at you. But the um, but the real answer is that the that God creating creation is is a perpetual thing. Meaning, a, an embryo develops week by week in in the womb of, of a mother and the expecting mother, and the and there there is definitely a development going on literally there. But according to you know the understanding of creation, the that baby stro that it, fetus is strobing into existence every microsecond from absolute nothingness into existence and there's development happening every time that's happening so so that's our view of creation the creation story as well as God's introducing new things so there's the de- it looks like a development as well because there's certainly development going on throughout all of history there's development so that is linear yeah except it's strobing into existence from nothingness Okay, but it's doing that in a linear fashion. At least to our eyes. It's only to our eyes. I think the best thing I heard about that was that, uh, that I, I don't know, God's time, I wouldn't say God's time, but time is relative to the person experiencing it. And one day to God, or in that essence, <coughs> light did come, and in evolution even, even in evolution, I believe in evolution, like it was the oceans first, then the land, then the oceans were teeming with that. Like it, and that all took time. We don't know if one day in, in the Torah or how it was experienced then was how we experience today. 
Now, the wise people of creation learned from here. This was their learning. Remember, today's class is called Learn versus Revealed Knowledge. So the wise people of the world, the great, incredible wise people of creation, of, I'm sorry, of world history, they all learn from here. This area here is filled with tremendous, tremendous wisdom. But I'm talking about like the kind of wisdom that would blow you away from forever. Like meaning, meaning, if you got a hold of wisdom that was even here, your the rest of your life would change. You know, you would you would like if you got wisdom from here. If you like suddenly could tap into here, which we call Ganid in the Tachton, which is where most people go when they die. At least the souls of Israel go here. So. If you could tap into there, let's just say I could tap you into there for a couple hours. A couple hours. You know, I, don't, I just have this little magic power. And you tap into there. You'd, you'd be like, that would not be a favor. You would be in trouble for the rest of your life. You, you wouldn't even be able to survive the rest of your life. We'd have to put you in a diaper. You know, you, you go to eat later today, and you take your soup and you put it in your ear. You know, you, you just, you wouldn't survive. Our, your psyche right now is mated well to this place. You get that? You work well here. This is why Purim is such a special holiday. Because Purim is where we release all that. Where we just let go of all that. And we traveled into much, much deeper, deeper worlds. And what's all the alcohol? All the alcohol is just to trip you up from, from being well mated. For having your mind mated to here. Right now your mind works in a way that, you know, is convenient for this world. But on Purim, you have to drink copious amounts of alcohol to get your mind no longer mated well to the physical world. And what's the purpose of that? The, because it's considered a, a, a very... The download of the day, every holiday in Jewish time ha, is a certain level of a download. That come, comes to... It's a nice spot right there. Just slide your backpack off. Every day of the year, every holiday... In, oh, you can have that hot spot too. Every Jewish holiday is, is a, has a certain download. Like Sukkot, you get the Simcha download. Okay. Pesach, you get the Freedom download. I'll come to you in a sec. Shavuos, you get the Torah download. Every day has a download. And... Purim, the download, is, is basically that it's all God. That all there is is God. Now, how many people walk around that all there is is God? How many people walk around like that? Not too many people walk around like that. So, we have a day that all there is is God. Well, my mind says there's a lot of things other than God. Purim, the mitzvahs to imbibe large amounts of alcohol, till the world that you thought was, was, you know, what fills your thoughts suddenly gets blurred. And then you get the download of all there is of God. And you know what the proof is, is that, is that if someone can't drink alcohol, you know what they're supposed to do during the party? What? They're supposed to actually take a nap. Now that's a very strange thing to do, to take a nap in the middle of a party to fulfill the mitzvah of Purim. Like, what in the world is that supposed to mean? But what happens while you're napping? What happens? Yeah, you're, you're basically unconscious for a little period of time. All you need is a minute. You have to get unconscious at some point. While you're unconscious, you get your download and you get back to the party. 
<laughs> good luck falling asleep in the middle of a party. You're, you're going to have to find a good spot to sleep with some headphones or something. But, uh, or earplugs. But the, that's the download of the day. Of the day. Sukkot, the download is joy, as I said. Anyone know what the download of Shabbos is? Shabbos trumps every holiday. You know, you don't shake a lulav if it's Shabbos. You don't blow a shofar if it's Shabbos. You know, it trumps every holiday. But very few people know the down. What, what's the actual download? The joy um, of Shabbos. The joy. <laughs> That's Sukkot. So the rest. Uh, the rest. He's like, just give me a rest. Spiritual. You know? Calm. Calm, no. Spiritual. Oh, oh, oh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's on to it. Love. Love. No, you're hanging around Asia Tour too long. <laughs> Before I told me he hasn't been here long enough. Now he's been here too long. Uh, love. Um, what? Yeah, so, so the answer is that um, that Shabbos is Shabbos is the, the download is intimacy with God. Oh, I like that. Yeah. yeah. So that's the words in Kiddush is when we say, Asher He wants us. Like intimacy. He wants us. We're wanted. So six days a week, he wants us too. Believe me, it's Sunday. He wants you. He wants you on Monday. He wants you on Tuesday. But, you know, he's, he's let's just say he's, uh, he's kind of, uh, how would you call a lover who's got doesn't mind if you take a walk a bit. Aloof. Aloof? He's, I can't call God aloof. He's hardly aloof. But it, it, let's just say he's pretty generous in the relationship. Six days he lets you kind of do go do your own thing. Not that you should. You should be connected the right. whole time. But it says, Six days work and do all your... Do all your doings out. Go pretend uh, you're doing something. Don't forget, none of this happened. None of this is happening. In reality, all of this is part of an illusion that's being strobed into existence. So he lets you go, you know, knock everybody out for six days. He lets you go make a big splash. Six days. But comes seventh day. When you hit that seventh day, the, that's Shabbos Lashem Elokecha. We have a men's table right here. Excuse me? There's a spot here right there. Yeah. He has a wife. Oh, is that a wife? That's a wife. Oh, sit next to a wife. <laughs> Especially yours. So. So. Uvi Yom Ashvi Shabbos Lashem Elokecha. So the words in Kiddush. He wants us. He wants you all week. But Shabbos, he's, he's makbi. Shabbos, he's more possessive. And look at the de- look at the consequence when it comes to Shabbos. Like, you know, not keeping Shabbos shouldn't have such a big consequence. I mean, what are we doing anyway all day? Drinking wine, eating food, and singing songs? Like, what is the big deal there? Like, it shouldn't come with any consequences. Like, if, if they don't want to be with me, so go work seven days. Like, if they're not so interested in me, so get lost. But I guess, you know, the Torah says God's jealous. You know, you know, the Torah says that God is a jealous God. 
Never saw that? No, you're making that up. <laughs> no, he's a jealous God, yeah. It says in the Torah that God is jealous. This is what made Oprah Winfrey, like, stop believing in God, by the way. Oh, she announces, like, literally, you can watch it on YouTube. Oprah Winfrey is, like, the most, it's probably the most beautiful line in the whole Torah, but it's such a good example of when you don't explain something, how misunderstood it could be. Like, one of the most beautiful lines. If my wife told me she was jealous, if she was jealous, like, for example, a lot of people like my time. And if my wife told me she's jealous of the time that I give, is that one of the more beautiful moments, or is that a negative moment? moment. It's a beautiful moment. She's saying, I want all of you. I don't want to share any of you. I want all of you. And when it says God's jealous God, all he's saying is that I'm crazy about you people. And, you know, I'm just wild about you. And I'm so wild about you, I created a son to keep you warm. And then what do people do? They bow down to the sun. And God's like, hey, what am I, chopped liver? I gave you that sun to keep you warm. And you're bound down to it? He's a jealous God because he loves us. It's the most beautiful line in the Torah, but it was perfectly, perfectly made Oprah drop out. What's up, guys? There's a spot for two right there. Go ahead. Be right, have that lady's purse right between you guys. Just leave it there. It's fine. Better not to touch the lady's purse. So, we're talking about one of the most beautiful lines in the Torah where it says that God is a jealous God. Yeah? You know why that's beautiful? Let's see if you can get it from having just walked in. Why is it beautiful? You guys friends, brothers, relatives? Friends. If he took off and started, you guys are friends, you're spending the day together. If he just took off and just wanted to hang out with another friend like that all of a sudden, and you're like, where are you going? He's like, sorry. You'd be a little jealous. Because you like him. Why is it a beautiful thing that God's a jealous God? He likes us. And when we're, and when we're spaced out, he gets jealous. So, six, so what are we discussing? Why is Shabbos, you know, the mitzvah of Shabbos, why is it such a heavy consequence? What are we, we're not doing anything on that day. It's not like we're doing anything. We're just hanging out with God. So like, so what if someone wants to do something else for a change? Right? It's not like we did anything on Shabbos. You don't do anything on Shabbos. There's almost no commandments. The only commandment on Shabbos is to make Kiddush. And that's like someone else does that usually. So what's the big deal? What does God care what we want to do? Answer, he's jealous. He gave you six days. You want to go like, you want to go like, <laughs> make a name for yourself, like, Take six days to do that. I'm asking for one back. You know, if I lent you, uh, if I lent you, let, uh, let's say I gave, what's your name? Roberta. Don't I know you, Roberta? Maybe in a previous life. Roberta, <laughs> Roberta, if I gave you, I just happen to have an extra $7 million cash, and mm-hmm. I gave you $7 million cash, you'd be happy, right? And let's just say I ran out of money. Mm-hmm. You know, I own property, mm-hmm. but I'm out of cash, and I need some cash. Mm-hmm. I ask you for one. Would you give me one? I just gave you seven. Well, absolutely. You yeah. definitely give me one. Yeah. Yeah, I just gave you seven. Right. So God gives us seven days a week. Six of them, he says, I don't, I don't really care what you do. You know, like, you want to go do business? You want to go lay on the beach? You want to be hum- homeless and sleep under a tunnel? You know, under a overhead pass? You want to you you dance every night? You know, like, do whatever you want. 
One day. Just give me a day. No. Give him every day. What? It's not like, oh, give him we don't, one day and the rest of the time we don't give him anything. Yeah. We give him every day. You do three give him every day. day. Three times a day. What, three. what do you give him? What, davening? You're giving God your davening. Giving broccoli every time you put something in davening. your mouth? First of all, when you daven, you're not giving God when you get the only thing you get, the only one thing you can give God. There's only one thing you can give God. That's it. God doesn't need mincha. Okay, He doesn't need you saying Amen all day. He doesn't need Yehoshmei Rabbah. He's an infinite being. There's nothing you can give God except your heart. Now you can give your heart through mincha. You can give your heart through Mariv. You can give your heart through Tefillin. You can give your heart through different things, but. That's all you can give. You can't give more than your heart. And that's the sad thing is so many people do mitzvahs robotically. And you've got to wonder if the mitzvah stays here. Think about it. I'm doing tefillin. It's leather and skin. My body. What if I do that robotically and didn't give my heart in the process? Does it stay? Does it go? What happens? And our, you know what our sages say? They say it stays. Our sages say that if, you, if you're not giving your heart in, in a mitzvah, not that you shouldn't do it, keep doing it. You were thinking I was going to say, then don't do it? No. You do it anyway. Because eventually you'll get your heart going. But if you're not putting your heart in a mitzvah, the mitzvah stays. There's a famous story that this great Kabbalist, who was known as the, the Baal Shem Tov, was a great Kabbalist, and he he had come to a town... And they were really excited to bring him to the synagogue. They wanted to show him the shul in the town. So they were bringing him to the shul of the town, and the Baal Shem Tov, he stops right before the door. And they said, why'd you stop? He said, because he wouldn't go. He was like frozen. He says, I, he says, I can't go in there. He says, why not? He says, it's full of prayer. And the people are like, well, what's it for? It's a synagogue. Of course it's full of prayer. And the Baal Shem Tov says, no, they're supposed to go up. Understand the place was packed, packed with prayer. Nothing had gone up in that shul. You can imagine if he gave a drush of that Shabbos in that shul. I'm sure all the prayers went up after that. I'm sure he stirred them up, got them moving, you know, get, get, to unlock the prayers stuck in that shul. Now, um, but let's get back. We're going way back. We're talking about infinite and finite, guys in the back. We're talking about infinite and finite. That there's this whole other realm that science doesn't recognize much. That's called metaphysics. Metaphysics is part of the finite. You got that? There's a physical world, there's a metaphysical world. There are two types of wise men in the world. There are wise men who study the metaphysics, and there are wise men who got pure prophetic revelation. What I'm describing to you right now is the difference between prophecy and what's the right term? Wisdom. What? Wisdom. Well, prophecy is also wisdom. Prophecy versus learned wisdom. Okay, we'll call it that. Prophecy versus learned wisdom. Every plant, every continent has civilizations that understood the wisdom of creation. And amazingly, how they all have it in common. Meaning, if you meet the mystics, mystics are the people involved in metaphysics. 
If you meet the mystics of India, if you meet the mystics of Southeast Asia, if you meet the mystics of Africa, if you meet the mystics of the North Americans, or the Indians, or the, or the Central Americans, or the South Americans, if you meet all the mystics, they're all, they're all carrying the same body of information. I was sitting with a mystic from, uh, from uh, Mexico, and uh, an elder of the mystics of Mexico. And I was noticing all the, these rules he had. And he had a lot of rules. And he was telling me about the rules. And it was literally like reading the rules of the high priest of the Kain Guttel in the temple. He had all the rules of the high priest of the Kain Guttel. And, and I showed him. I was like, I opened up the Torah and I was like showing him, like, you're living these rules. And he was like, I've never seen this before. This is fascinating. Like, this guy had no contact with Judaism. It was his first contact with Judaism. He sang me some of his songs. And the songs he sings and when he's involved in his meditations. So the songs were all names of God. Everything was either a Yud, a He, a Vav, an Aleph. And every form of names of God that, that exists. And uh, obviously, we have like 72 letters, meaning that exist available through the divine. We have names that are from the revelation. Meaning, so we have names that are like way beyond any, anyone who's divined names. You know, the term, this, by the way, the metaphysical term is all, is, the metaphysical term for God is divine here. You heard the term divine? Do you get how divine's not exactly God? No. You don't? So the word divine has a separate name in Judaism. It's called elokus. Elokus means the presence of God in all things. So this is obviously filled with the divine. This, the divine's hidden underneath the shell of physicality. Everything's divine. I mean, the whole thing is the consciousness of God. But it just the question is, how much is God's consciousness clothed? In the physical world, it's highly clothed. In the metaphysical world, it's lot loosely clothed. Here, it's more clothed, less clothed, less clothed. And then here, there's no clothes. You know, it's God's essence. This is the essence of God. This is the actual... This is the power plant powering the divine world, which is ultimately coming into our world, which is our, our world is made of this divinity. Clear? So God is the ultimate experience of all that, but you can't necessarily experience God in divinity. You're experiencing the divine in divinity, which is God enclosed in divinity. But there is an essence of God that is the actual life source, the light of the energy source of all divinity, and that's God himself. Now, no one is expecting to connect to that, except for some very, very chutzpah, chutzpah-dick. You know the term chutzpah? There are some very chutzpah-dick people who believe that they can actually have a relationship with it. Ah, shalom aleichem. We have a table for two right here. Table for two, please. Your waiter will be right with you. Hey, who's watch? Anyone lose a watch here? Someone's watch. No one's expecting to find God 
in the divine. Except for some very, very, very chutzpidic people. Who are those chutzpidic people? Prophets. What? Prophets. Oh, prophets for sure. Who, who else? Kabbalists. Kabbalists for sure. The Jews. I was going to say that. <laughs> the Jews. And that's why Goyim... No offense, I usually don't use that term. Sorry, I forgot this is essentials. That's why Gentiles don't like us very much. Who do we think we are? Even when the Jews were in Egypt, in like Sorcery Central, you know, where, where these people like really understand the metaphysical world. The, the Egyptians, come on, I know you're good. The Egyptians were masters. Masters of the divine. The, the Pharaoh had his own diviners. Pharaoh had his own necromancers, as you could call them. They, his own uh, diviners. They were when when, Mo, when Moses threw down his staff and it became a snake. They were like, "That's no problem." You know, they all took their, all the diviners just went boom, and there were snakes everywhere. Diviners, they're like, "That's the first trick we learned out of nursery school, Moses." You're like, duh, snake, that's nothing. <laughs> that's what happened. It was, like, embarrassing. There's even, our rabbis asked, like, why did God give him, like, one of the first tricks in the book of the diviners? But it did freak them out when Moses' snake became a staff again. That was fine. They know how to turn theirs back into a staff, too. But when the staff ate the snakes, staffs usually aren't eating snakes. So that, like, freaked them out. The staff ate the His snakes? staff, yeah, if you look carefully. Yeah, no, if you look more carefully, you'll see the staff ate the snakes, not the snake. Yeah, Moses' snake didn't eat the snake. That's it? Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, what you heard. Nice to see you. Welcome anytime. Three to four. <laughs> I love this class. The best part of this class is that it's a drop-in class. And it's also a drop-out class. <laughs> you drop it in, you drop it in. I, I, from not, not having a tour education, being about Cuba and all that. Say, unaccustomed to public speaking as I am. Not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> Say, boss, I don't have your superior intellect and education. Just kidding. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I believe that we all have the power to do these things like throw a staff down and turn into a snake. Okay? Um, we have in this world so many distractions. Okay? So oh, can you uh, just flip the screen, please? Yeah. yeah, go on. So many distractions. So many things occupying our minds with, you know, even 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 yeah yeah that we do have certain abilities we just don't know how to uh, activate them. Yeah, I like, and, I like the way you say it. And and when you live in a very simplistic world, like during biblical times, during Moses' time, that that our minds are able to absorb, and I don't know what's the good word absorb. Cre won't be more creative. Fertile, fertile ground for yeah for, for, for doing connection to the right, divine. And right, right. We snake, we snake do. Creation. Yeah, I got it, I got it. 
What okay. you, you know, I'm not even going to take that as a question. I'm going to take that as a valid point, and and we should simplify. We need to simplify. I think everyone. Let's take her lesson, and may we all simplify our lives, and our life should be as simple as possible. Not so you can make snakes. Your life should be as simple as possible so that you're able to connect. And you had a question back there. You you, it, oh, I did. You're welcome. I didn't forget you. Now, the, now the, what happens is, I was just, uh, when we were out there at the beer bazaar over there, there was, a, there was a guy out there, a new student of mine here at H, a guy named Jackson. Hey, I hope you're watching, Jackson. I, I told him to plug in. If you're watching, send him a comment or something. Anyway. He's but not watching. Not watching? No Jackson on there? Nope. Yeah. Well, it's 8 a.m. in the East Coast, and it's 5 a.m. on the West Coast. And if you're in Israel, you're probably busy right now. Yeah. It all comes in later over the day. I was with this guy, Jackson. Now, Jackson has great respect for, for the people who understand the divine. Great respect. But get this, he's a Jewish kid, but get this, he is very suspicious of the Jewish overconfidence, if not slash, arrogance. Chutzpah. Which I call chutzpah. <laughs> of claiming that you have direct access to the king. That you have direct access to the king. I mean, there are people I know who name drop. But, like, this is beyond name-dropping, okay? This is, like, beyond name-dropping. You're, you're saying you have access to the king of the universe. You mean, by king, you mean infinite? Yeah, the king of the universe. The king of the whole entire divine system. That you're claiming access to that. When you make a bracha, you're accessing that. When you're doing mitzvahs, you're accessing that. You're walking, when I'm wearing my sitzes, I'm accessing that. What about the, uh, a... a uh Divine Gentile, not a divine Gentile, what am I saying? A, um, righteous. Righteous Gentile. They're accessing that. Thank you. Except what? The people that he's met, the people that Jackson's met, have paid big time dues. They've paid a lot of dues to discover where, to get where they got to. You, you, it's not for the, it is not for the faint of heart to be a wise man. Of the divine, it is not for the faint of heart. As I said before, the rules there are rougher than the rules down here. This place is very merciful compared to the divine. The divine uh, things are very black and white over there, and and it's um, and anyone who's had the courage to tour that area and to actually become someone whose whose wisdom is has been developed there is someone who deserves great respect and so here's this guy comes into Ashatara and we're all walking around like we're like we're like Ivanka Trump you know like we're we're like like we're we're born in the palace we're born in the palace of the king and the reason is very simple the reason is prophecy isn't simply prophecy. Because there is such a thing as prophecy. Prophecy is not a learned thing. You don't learn prophecy. And prophecy, by the way, another thing that people, I only realized this last week mistakenly, my bad, is that people who don't understand spirituality and Judaism especially, 
they think prophecy is seeing the future. You, you get that? Like when you think of a prophet, he's like yeah. a seer of the future. Yeah. That's not what prophecy is. Prophecy, you may have that access. You may also have access. You're not in time anymore. So yeah, if you really wanted to know what was going on later, you should be able to access that in a state of prophecy. But that's not what prophecy is. Prophecy is when the, the layers that normally block the experience of God in this world, so you stay Satan, because as we said before, you wouldn't do so hot if you, if you saw him. Prophecy is a, a, you know, an ultrasonic blast, a, like a power surge breaking through all converters, all step-down converters that bring it, like, for example, to 220 here. Prophecy is releasing all those veils and, and going for the full blast experience of God. The fact that someone might gain access to the future is of tiny, of tiny relevance to what is the prophetic state. And prophecy is part of the spiritual makeup of creation. It's been hidden for the last 2,500 years. There hasn't been a prophet for 2,500 years. But prophecy was part of the system. It is part of the system. And we are the remnant of the people of the prophecy. That is B'nai Israel. The children of Israel are not from learned divinity, but we are from an up, that's a down up, meaning you're born here, you were eating a jack-in-the-box, and eventually you made your way up to the divine and learned up the world of the divine. Whereas prophecy is up-down. Prophecy is you, you were here, and the whole world, <coughs> prophecy is you're here, and all these veils that veil infinite light are getting smashed aside as you're getting, you're getting a major <coughs> surge of infinite with content, and that content is the Torah. Meaning when a prophet is getting prophecy, he's not necessarily getting Torah, but our whole nation got this thing in the prophecy of Sinai. Sinai was a prophetic moment, prophetic experience. And that's what distinguishes us. The distinction between us and the Gentiles is that the, the holy people of the Gentiles are the people in the divine, learned the divine, whereas we got a direct revelation from the king of the divine. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.